Father, all, uh, all hearts are open and our desires are known to you. There is no secret from you. And though we try and hide, though we try and hide, you call us out and you're calling to us right now. May we enter into your presence. In the name of Jesus, we come before you. And we all said, amen. Have a seat, everyone. We uh, are exploring different uh, written prayers, gathered prayers, as I like to call them, uh, prayers that we didn't come up with on our own, but we would have liked to had we had the brain power and the forethought to think about it. And this morning, you have this long sheet in here that you need to pull out right now. Nothing will be on the screen, so you'll definitely want this. If you didn't get one, I don't know if anybody's watching, maybe you can wave your hand or something and somebody will bring you one or you just get up and go back there and get one because um, you'll want it. It says at the top, it says, Sunday morning prayers of Lakeland Community Church's spiritual order. It's a very well-kept secret around here, unintentionally, of course, that there is a spiritual order, or in other words, a religious order. There is a gathering of people here that pray and intercede for you. Every Sunday morning, they gather at 7.30 in the conference room. They pray over the service. They pray over the prayer cards. They pray over the communion elements when we're actually having the Lord's table. They, um, or when we're not doing it as well, they take communion themselves. And then they light, if you turn your attention to the back corner of the room back there, sorry to point, uh, there's a candle dimly burning back there, and that candle is a sanctuary lamp. It burns for about six and a half days. And then it goes out, and then they put a new one up every Sunday. And that candle is symbolic of the prayers of the church going before the throne of God. So somebody cares about you, and that's nice to know, isn't it? Well, this morning, um, I'm going to invite Lori Oster and, come on up, guys, and uh, Jim Leahy and Dennis Barr, and they are part of the spiritual order. It's about, what, eight, nine, ten people. And uh, they're going to help me go through their prayers that they pray for you every Sunday, and we're going to do it together. So it will no longer be anything secret, and we will all know it, and we can all leave here today saying, like, that's nice. Praise God. Yeah. You there, Jim, Dennis, Lori. Lori's going to help me on the prayers. Um, so I'm not a professional at this because I'm uh, not a part of the order. So uh, these guys are here to, like, you know, elbow me when I goof up. So, you know, I'm on the same boat as you. Let's stand and let us begin. Almighty God, we thank you for making us in your image to share in the ordering of your, ordering of your world. We dedicate this place now to be set apart for your worship, the building up of the living and the remembrance of the dead to the praise and glory of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Peace be to this house and to all who enter here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray for the ministry. Oh, let's all have a seat. Let us pray for the ministry. Ever-living Father, watchful and caring, our source and our end. All that we are and all that we have is yours. Accept us now as we dedicate this place to which we come to praise your name, to ask your forgiveness, to know your healing power, to hear your word, to be nourished by the body and the blood of your Son. 
be present always to guide and to judge, to illumine and to bless your people. You need a microphone. Lori, can you get her a microphone? Leslie, can you get Lori a microphone? Thank you. <clears throat> Lord, bless and inspire our pastors. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, bless and inspire our elders. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, bless and inspire our staff. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, bless and inspire our teachers. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, bless and inspire our volunteers. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, bless and inspire our congregation. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, bless and inspire all seeking and yearning souls. Lord, hear our prayer. Father, in every age you have spoken through the voices of prophets, pastors, and teachers, Purify the lives and the lips of those who speak here, that your word only may be proclaimed and your word only may be heard. Amen. Amen. Father, your people worship you with many voices and sounds in times of joy and sorrow. Move us to express the wonder, the power, and the glory of your creation in the music we make and in the songs we sing. Everyone. Praise, Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the strings and pipe. O Lord, we praise you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us now make intercession. Almighty God, all times are your seasons, and all occasions invite your tender mercies. Accept our prayers and intercession offered in this place today. And in all, through Jesus Christ, our mediator and advocate. Amen. Lord, hear our prayers. Amen. Let's stand. Father, please sanctify these elements by your Holy Spirit to be for your people, the body and the blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And in the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his friends and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup, giving thanks, gave thanks and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let us thank God, whom we worship here in the beauty of holiness. Everyone, eternal God, the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. 
much less the walls of temples made with hands. Graciously receive our thanks for this place offered to your honor and glory. For the church universal of which these visible buildings are the symbol. We thank you, Lord. For your presence whenever two or three have gathered together in your name. We thank you, Lord. For this place where we may be still and know that you are God. We thank you, Lord. For making us your children by adoption and grace and refreshing us day by day with the bread of life. We thank you, Lord. For the knowledge of your will and the grace to perform it. We thank you, Lord. For the fulfilling of our desires and petitions as you see best for us. Thank you, Lord. For the pardon of our sins, which restores us to the company of your faithful people. Thank you, Lord. For the faith of those who have gone before us and for our encouragement by their perseverance. We thank you, Lord. For the fellowship of all your saints in heaven and on earth. We thank you. Glory, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Yours, O Lord, yours, O Lord, is the great, greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray. Amen. <laughs> Have a seat, everyone. Amen. Well, thanks everyone who can have a seat, and if Chris tells you to get back up, I guess it's your problem. But, um, <laughs> hey, did you notice that Chris Lee is on platform this morning? <laughs> Literally back from the dead after his heart attack in, when was that, April or May or something? May 17th. Such a young, <laughs> May 17th, he says. But, um, you know, it's polite of us to, uh, you know, acknowledge that Chris is back, but 
Chris, the, the simple truth is things just went on without you. And um, <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. The mark of a great leader is that nobody knows you're missing. As the Chinese proverb goes, you know. Yeah, the Chinese proverb goes. It says, when it's all said and done, the greatest leader is the one is when they leave. And the people said, we did it ourselves. And so special thanks go to Jen Beard and uh, Ben Dean because they led the music and the band kept going and they never missed a beat. And it's a very, very cool thing. But we are glad you're back. So, very strong voice. So, hmm? Yeah. So, anyway, um, I can't hear anything anymore. It's why I don't do any Q&A. And Jason Watson, thank you. Yes. And there he is. Thank you, Jason. You can, like, do this thing. Jason, were you the first one to say, and Jason Watson? Um, uh, well, our time is uh, about over. You know, we've been doing this experiment on these gathered prayers, these liturgical prayers, and it's really disruptive. And Part of my job around here is to disrupt the status quo so we don't fall into some sort of uh, deadness or rut or routine. Um, it's, I consider it part of a prophetic role, if, if not poet. And uh, so we're trying to shake things up. You know, it's an interesting thing to go through these type of prayers because as much as they feel sort of staid and sort of boring and predictable, yet we have all just got through praying a bunch of things we would have never sat here and prayed in a service where we did not do anything like that, you know. And if you were paying attention, we didn't even go through a confession, you know, of, which would really be an obvious thing to do. So there are many, many things that Lakeland misses out on that we're trying to incorporate and bring in and yet keep things accessible. Um, so I just want to run through something here with you this morning. We've been talking about Lakeland a lot, and we've been talking about uh, going, that churches, uh, Lakeland's a very, very active church. It's a very go, go, go kind of church these days. But I want to throw something at you here. Um, here are several verses that I, I'm not, I don't think you'll be able to digest real quick, but just pick up on the general gist of the whole thing. Here they are. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all, training us to renounce impiety and worldly passions. Titus. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans. For God did not send the Son, the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. John 3, 17. And Jesus' words in his high priestly prayer. As you sent me, God, into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Read through the New Testament and simply look for every reference to the word world and you will find this dilemma, this um, dichotomy, or I don't know what you want to call it. It's not a paradox, but you'll find sort of a both and going on as well as a disparity, this gap. Because on one hand, the world, uh, although made by God, because in the beginning was God and it was good, right? 
All of it is good, and yet, because of us, made in God's image, we chose and we made it fall. The world is not what it's supposed to be, right? So how then are we supposed to be in the world, but not of the world? We have been sent into the world, and yet the world is evil. It's ruled by the prince of the power of the air. There's impiety. There's wrong stuff that goes on all day long. Just pick up your paper every day. So Christians are being called into this world, but not to be of this world. It's not the nature of the world to be evil. It's the nature of the world to gravitate back towards God. Thanks be to God because of Jesus Christ, because He has commissioned us to bring redemption to a fallen world. And we are caught in this dilemma between, well, how much do we buy into the world system and its values, its morals, its politics, its social economic stuff, and how much do we run away from it? See, we are constantly in this interplay between being in the world, actively in the world, and then stepping away from it and receiving back from God. Lori, can I get those two signs? Or Leslie, I keep calling you Lori. Lori, why didn't you get those signs? Um, thanks, Leslie. Receptivity. Oh, yeah, we got big words going this morning. Notice the word receive in here. And activity. Action. Here we have these two poles that we're constantly cycling between. We sit before God and receive. We need to be receptive to God in prayer. We need to go away. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Early in the morning, before anyone was up, and while it was still dark, Jesus went away and prayed to the Father. Go away. And then he gets back after sunrise, and he says, let's go get him. Back and forth, we are cycling through this. Are, are we in the world, but not of the world? And when do we retreat to God? And the truth be told... Let's be honest here for a, moment, for a moment. Most of the time, we are all just in this active world. And in its worst, at its very worst, the real problem here is that we actually, as one person has said, one com Christian commentator, Christians these days, in particular in America, have become of this world and yet try to maintain some sort of religious value system that says we're not in the world. In other words, we all have iPhones and computers and we buy all the latest fashions and we do all the stuff and we got all the biggest gadgets and we watch the same TV programs, Breaking Bad and everything else in between. And then we sit around and say like, oh, but I'm a Christian. I'm not really a part of this world. I really believe in Jesus. And if somebody were to line you, put you in a lineup with the rest of the people in the world, you look just like all the rest of them. What happened to the receptivity of God? What happened to the sit at the feet of Jesus? Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus doing the one necessary thing versus Martha, her sister, busying herself preparing the meal for Jesus and the disciples. What is this cycle that's going on, these two poles that we are supposed to be gravitating around when really we tend to just kind of buzz around this little hive over here? Oh, worst part? Ignore this one? And we can start adding some other signs like judgment, 
we become judgmental. Because the problem is, while we're trying to not be in the world, <laughs> the one cheap way we can try not to be in the world is to begin to say those evil people out there, they're all wrong. They don't hold to the same value system that I do. Thank you very much. I'll have an iPhone 6. Not that I'm blaming iPhones, you know, from the hell mouth or something like that. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. And then really bad. You burn out. It just goes down and down. Here, we'll just put it down here where it really belongs. You cook. You want to see if you're burned out these days? I got a little survey for you from Mirth Meyer. Here you go. Let's see if we can run through these real quick. If you got a little tick mark or if you want to say like, I'm going to put, put a tick mark, you know the little golf pencil they gave you that you're supposed to take? You put a tick mark every time you say yes, okay? More and more I find that I can hardly wait for quitting time to come so that I can leave work. And you're, or if you want to do church, you can do that too. I feel like I'm not doing any good work. I'm not doing any good at work these days. I'm more irritable than I used to be. I'm thinking more about changing jobs. Tick or no tick? You guys doing this? Lately, I've become more cynical and negative. I have more headaches or backaches or other physical symptoms than usual. I often feel hopeless, like, who cares? I drink more now and take tranquilizers just to cope with everyday stress. My energy level is not what it used to be. I'm tired all the time. I feel a lot of pressure and responsibility at work or church these days. My memory is not as good as it used to be. I don't seem to concentrate or pay attention like I did in the past. I don't sleep as well. My appetite's decreasing these days, or I can't seem to stop eating. I feel unfulfilled and disillusioned. I'm not as enthusiastic about work or church as I, as I was a year ago. I feel like a failure at work. All the work I've done hasn't been worth it. I can't seem to make decisions as easy as I once did. I find I'm doing fewer things at work or church. I feel like and that I like or that I do well. I often tell myself, why bother? It doesn't really matter anyhow. I don't feel adequately rewarded or noticed for all the work I've done. I feel helpless if I can, can't help, as if I can't see any way out of my problems. People have told me I'm too idealistic about my job. I think my career has just about come to a dead end. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. You're thinking, I thought that was just old age. Uh, but burnout, burnout will take you out of the game at no matter what age. Most important, most important, everyone, burnout will drive you away from God because then judgment <laughs> comes over here to God's side. Why'd you do this to me, God? I don't want to do church. I don't want to do anything. You're cooked. Well, what do we do? <laughs> you hear the words of Jesus who said, come to me. Come to me, all you that are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Receive from God. Sounds good. Uh, to put that on the list of all the active stuff I need to be doing. For God, for work, for family, and all this other stuff. Great, I'll get around to that some year. Maybe, you know, someday. Just before I die. Well, here's a little way of thinking about things. You could say that a relationship with God, to receive from God, really takes on three different phases. And they parallel falling in love. Got your attention? Infatuation, honeymoon, and marriage. Okay? Now, infatuation is the get-to-know-you stage. I know infatuation, you think it's all a big buzzy feeling, all this sort of thing. But it, what really is going on during the infatuation stage is that you're actually getting to know the other person. What flavor of ice cream do they like? What's their favorite color? What's their favorite restaurant? What's their favorite food? You know, on and on and on. Where do you like to hang out? Do you like the mountains or the beach? Do you like the cold or the heat? You know, sand or surf? What do you want? It's the get to know you stage. Now, if you translate this into God, receiving from God and being receptive from God, this is the time when you study your Bible. This is the time when you go to church. This is the time when you hear teachings like what we're doing right this moment. It's an information download moment. You're trying to find out. And when you first become a Christian, you can be highly infatuated. Not only have you realized that it's a grace and that you don't have to earn your way to heaven, that God loves you just the way you are, you're saying, really? Really? Tell me more. And then you do a study on Romans and Galatians. And you find out that Jesus, you know, is your uh, propitiation for your sins and other fancy words that guys like me like to throw at you. He's your atoning sacrifice. And you're like, that's awesome. And you get all this information down during the infatuation stage. But that's not love. The honeymoon, then, is the experience of love. And we'll let your imagination go wild. <laughs> the honeymoon is the experience of love. There are young children in the room. Keep your thoughts to yourself. We move from head down to heart, and maybe further. And everything is a joy. This is what we're doing while we're worshiping. We're like in a honeymoon phase. Everything is a wonderful experience with God. You're absolutely in love with God. Those verses in the Bible and the Psalms and all the rest of it just sound awesome. You walk up to somebody and say, do you know in Philippians 4, chapter 6, it says, don't be anxious, but in everything through the peace of God surpasses all understanding. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let's say it together. You know, and I mean, and, and people are like, well, neat, nice. And I mean, during the honeymoon phase, you're experiencing, you've built off the information, and this is just like in life. In the honeymoon, it's an experience of love. The thing is, though, the thing is, is that the honeymoon phase ends with realization. It comes to an end in marriage, as well as with God, that this is going to require sacrifice. You know, for better, for worse. And then we don't really think there'll be worse. And then there is worse. The secret's being kept. The silent, dead routine. The uncomfortableness. The mediocrity. The seething anger. Words unspoken. 
These are the things that keep marriage counselors in business, if you're smart enough to go to one. It makes us angry that the other person is not everything we want to be, and that can be applied to God. You realize that Jesus is going to require more of you than you really thought so. And you can end up being judgmental about church and everything else. Here, this is a good one. Marriage counselors often ask a couple, write down a list of everything that you want to change about the other person. Right? Make a list of everything you want to change about the other person. And if they're polite, they'll actually sit there and, you know, work through, oh, maybe you could work on that, you know, pick up your socks afterwards or something like that. Maybe, you know. But eventually, you tear up the list and say, I don't think marriage is about changing the other person. Marriage is about changing you. Having children is a mirror to change you. Diving in to following Jesus and sitting at the feet of Jesus is about changing you. Those who wish to opt out on these sort of activities in life, deep relationships with other humans, are trying to escape what it means to be human in the first place. They don't want to take any chances, and they pay a price for it because they end up less because they don't know themselves as well. Now, I say that with a caveat that some are called to like a monastery or something like that. And of course, then they're throwing in with, you know, 50 other guys and they duke it out. Marriage equals then death to self. And you're like, is this an inspiring moment about marriage? Like, not exactly. Marriage is about death to self. No one grows without a loss, without a death, whether it be metaphoric or even literal. In Christian spirituality, this death has been called the dark night of the soul. And it comes when you're saying, well, what happened to the honeymoon? Infatuation. Why I, now something's required of me? Exactly. Thomas Green, one of my favorite authors, says this. He says, many people who pray enter the dark night of prayer, but very few persevere through it because they do not want to pay the price of growth. If you wish to receive from God and sit at the feet of Jesus, it will cost you something. Few are willing to pay the price. You'd rather stay in infatuation or maybe in the honeymoon in our Christian life, and we don't get to the real business because we have failed to look into ourselves. Mediocrity happens when things fail to pay a price and sacrifice. Mediocrity happens in marriage when people fail to go so far as to divulge who they really are. And yet, it's that very vulnerability and honesty that causes growth. And if your marriage or somebody else's marriage that you know about, or if you're scared of marriage, it could very well be, if it's stalled out, that it hasn't gone to a place of suffering or truth-telling. 
And you know it, and I know it. Receptivity finally has its good fruit when we get to know ourselves. You see, everyone, it's part of the reason why around here at Lakeland, a lot of what we're working on is the spirituality. We realize all of this activity for God is wonderful stuff. All the stuff that Fearless is doing and taking care of women with fistulas in Africa and Haiti and uh, feeding people in Mexico and working with, you know, supporting Prodeo and China and all these sort of things, all these wonderful active things. <coughs> they're great and God thinks they're great and all of heaven's applauding. And then Jesus says, but do you know me? It could all be a vanity, just a vain, empty chatter. Philanthropy without receiving. These poles, we cycle in and out, back and forth. There is a time for everything, a time for activity, and there is a time for receptivity. Both have to happen. Both have to happen if you want to be in the world, but not of the world. This will take work. Well, as we head towards the fall, it's a time of joy. It's a time of receiving. It's where it's an in-gathering time. Now, we're not, most of us aren't farmers here. Maybe a few of you guys have some land and you grow crops and so forth. But for the rest of us, you know, we just go to Hy-Vee and pick junk out of the vegetable section. But nonetheless, it's a time where we receive and it's a time where we gather in, and therefore, it's always a thoughtful time, and so it should be. The summer has raced on, and things have grown, and we've gone, 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 and gone. And now comes a time for us to quiet down and come before God and say, what have we gathered in? It's the in-gathering time. It's the harvest. And we say, what is life? And who am I? And that's why Charlie has to do a ton of announcements because it's so active right now as we all try to say, like, let's get to work. Let's find out who, what we're made of. I do a couple of retreats this fall and so forth. We all are gone next weekend. A whole bunch of brand new people on a retreat. On and on we'll go. We'll cycle between activity and receptivity all this fall. Where are you in this cycle? Are you burned out? Have you fallen into judgmentalism? Is your marriage still trying to cling to the honeymoon or infatuation? Has it gone through a loss or suffering? Do you have a mirror in front of you saying, what's going on in my life? Or are you just trying to be so busy and just be so noisy, you're just going blah, 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 blah. Distract yourself with the big blue tube at night. Where are you at these days? It is time, time to get serious. So for the rest of the fall, we're going to spend an entire series around here talking about the emotionally healthy person, emotionally healthy Christian, emotionally healthy church, emotionally healthy worker, emotionally healthy parent, emotionally healthy relationships. All of this, we're going to work on our emotional health. Now, Lakeland works on this stuff a lot anyway, but the elders have said, let's go ahead and capitalize and, and solidify all of his thought about being emotionally healthy around here. And so we'll be relying on the scripture to guide us on a journey through emotional health. So it's a great time for you to invite friends and neighbors and those other people that you think are emotionally unhealthy and bring them here so they can get fixed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, you know, because you know what will happen is you'll get fixed and they'll walk out saying like, yeah, you really need that church. I'm glad you go there. <laughs> so uh, let us stand and we will be dismissed. Now, Father, uh, we come to you as people that are not whole.
We are people on a journey. We are pilgrims through this world, and we want to go, 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 go. But we need to sit at your feet. May we recognize this. May this fall be a season for everyone here in the room where they reflect during the in-gathering and say, what has my life been all about? Am I on the right course? How's my finances? How's my parenting? How's my love? How is everything doing in my life? God, may this be this season. We don't mean to put this upon you, but may you put it upon us and guide us. And may we be open to your spirit. And may we go out of here and wash out of here like the ocean, Lord, feeding the world with the nutrients that you've given us. And come back again next week. In the name of Christ, amen. Peace, everyone.